Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Carrie. And I'm Tanya. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. And this is episode number 84. Today, we'll be discussing our new favorites for fourth grade. We'll also be discussing some ideas in our No Better Do Better segment, and we'll share a work smarter, not harder teacher tip. And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. So now we will start with some highs and lows from our teaching week or weeks, whatever you prefer. So Tanya, what's been going on? So many things. You know what? I could go high. I could go low. I don't I always say that. Doesn't everybody always say that? Anyway, I'm going to go high. But also another high, I want to give a shout out right now to our dear friend, Becca Dellinger. Yes. Because she was just awarded teacher of the year at her school. Uh, Becca is one of our very besties. Um, and she teaches in Virginia and she's fantastic and we love you so much becca and congratulations congrats becca so well deserved so very well deserved okay so that was a high but not in my classroom that was hopefully a high and all over the school in becca's squirrel classroom yeah okay um here's my kind of funny funky high and um if you have kenny g hate mail to send me i mean kenny g what do I want to say? If you want to defend Kenny G, bring it. Cool. All right. I say that because my high is this. <laughs> um, I started with a new group on Monday um, that I haven't seen since in person. I haven't seen them since before Thanksgiving. All right. I've seen right. them on the computer screen. Uh, briefly, those who showed, and honestly, many of them did show. That's not a a big, that was not a big concern, um, save for a handful of kids. Anyway, so I haven't seen these kids for a while, and we were kind of going over, and this is third grade, we were talking about, okay, here's what's going to be happening for the next couple weeks, kids, because that's, I'll see them for two weeks every day, and then bye-bye, I'm going elsewhere. Um... So I said, and we will have a musician of the day because as far as Black History Month is concerned, um, we need a musician of the day. That's all there is to it. I'll talk more about that when we're talking about our our new favorites for fourth grade. And I think I mentioned this in our last episode um, that we're doing musician of the day. Yeah. And uh, I didn't go into detail. I just said, every day you walk in the room we're going to be listening and talking briefly about a musician and it's just for that day and and kids if you look out in the hallway on our bulletin board you will see these musicians are featured there and and so i have one little guy who raised his hand and he's like miss lejeune are we going to be doing kenny g because i love kenny g (laughs) and he wasn't being sarcastic he was absolutely 100% not being sarcastic and I deserve an Emmy or an Oscar for my poker face because I'm sorry people I have a thing about Kenny G and I don't (laughs) like Kenny G okay it's allowed (laughs) in case you hadn't noticed I have some very strong opinions some (laughs) I haven't shared um but when provoked I usually share but not with third graders who love Kenny G because oh my I gosh. don't want to burst that bubble. No. All oh. music leads to more music as far as I'm concerned, okay? If Kenny G is your gateway to real jazz musicians, then that's fine. <laughs> All right. So that was not the high is that I realized I have a Kenny G lover in our midst. It was that he said, I've been playing alto saxophone. But also I want to play soprano saxophone because Kenny G plays soprano saxophone. And, and then he did this video. He like, he, he's well-versed in the Kenny G. All right. So no, the high part or that I hope will be high is I said, that's really interesting, Bob. His name's not Bob. I'm protecting the innocent. Um, I said, yes. Now you really should hear some John Coltrane. I said, let's... You should hear some John Coltrane because as far as soprano sax goes, 
he's my favorite soprano saxophone player. And anyway, I, I just have to say that um, it was a high because, hey, I'm glad he's listening to something, but also because, ooh, let me be the catalyst for, for, for some, yeah, for some solid sax playing. Um, ah, yeah, I just, this is why, this is why we need to make sure, okay, I keep seeing this on social media a lot, and I agree. We should have Black History all the time. We shouldn't need to have a Black History Month. We shouldn't need that, right? Right. And now we and we, but we do have a Black History Month. If if you're gonna err on the side of being performative, of well, if I have if I do Black History Month, everyone's gonna see that I'm just doing it in February, and um, I don't want to be called out for that. Like, do do it more in February. Do it all year long. But if for whatever reason you can only do it for a short time, and you don't want people to think that you're just giving lip service, I think that Black History Month um, musicians. A little bit is better than none at all. Well, that's all well, I'm trying to say. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, and okay, we don't, we want to be highlighting black musicians all year long. Um, but we want to do it even more. We want to celebrate even more during February. We want to, um, how about this? I'm looking at Black History Month as a time where I'm, um, super duper decentering whiteness. I'm not talking about white musicians in Black History Month. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and 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 have it be a wonderful celebration of of greatness, and not just focus on tragedy, which we know there's oh, so yeah. much to that. But make sure that it is more so that celebration of wonderful greatness of black musicians and black artists yes. black history goes beyond civil rights yeah. goes beyond like yeah of course all of that you're you're very you're you're better at i'm all tongue-tied about it because <laughs> i'm worried about like the kenny g hate like how dare you Never mind. Well, I'll just give an, an extra preemptive coda then, because something that really helped me kind of get my thoughts in order and center my thoughts was listening to Jasmine Fripp on um, oh, Young's yeah. podcast, Music at Amplified. So she had an interview with Jasmine Fripp where, where Jasmine speaks about this a lot. And it really just helped me just get my thoughts in order of, of what I really wanted to, to portray to my students and make sure I was getting across to my students, which is this, this, this is a celebration. This is a month exactly. to be in celebration. And yes, we're going to learn and talk about black history in other months, but February, mm -hmm. we are in particularly celebrating the wonderful musicians and artists that we have to listen to and learn from. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, thank and, you, and, Jasmine. And, and thank you, Jasmine Fripp. And thank you, Missy Strong, for yeah. bringing all these fabulous conversations forward. Um, yeah. So the, the crack about Kenny G is is more about me saying, wow, I, I knew before anyway, but boy, it just keeps showing itself over and over again that I am in a white space yeah. and, and I, I have black students, but they're in a white space. And the fact that I have um, a third grader say, oh, it's Black History Month. Are we going to be studying Kenny G? Right. Further emphasizes, wow, you know. What's going on there? Yeah. yeah we're in a but I just like the approach of like, well, if you really like Kenny G, try this artist. And exactly. just to give them a, a wider range of people to listen to is just right. the important part, right? Right. So it's not really about Kenny G being a white musician. It's it's not about the whiteness. It's it's about me not a, not really um, going for his brand of jazz. Um, I I always want people to dig deeper and and go hear some some jazz that is not yeah. G. So that's totally. my thing. I'm also I'm like pro Kurt Elling, not really Michael Bublé. Bublé, Bublé. I mean he's Bublé. a lovely guy, but no, Bublé. Yeah. <laughs> Pro John Coltrane, not so much Kenny G, you know, pro, this is me being a musical snob. Go ahead, write me an email about how I'm a snob. I'm cool with that. I've heard it before. <laughs> I'm fine. I've come to, I feel cool. I feel fine. I feel fine you know about it. that. 
if you want to dress me down more about it, if I if there's something that I've missed, please, I'd love to. Not because I want to get into it, just because. Share, sure. There you go. You like right. to talk about music. We've had many healthy debates about music. I love to talk about music, and that's why I'm a music teacher. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. But how about you, Carrie? How was your week? And was did you have highs? Did you have lows? Uh, you-, you know, both. But I, I'm going to talk about a high. So, like you, this last week was my rotation. First time seeing this particular group of kids um, in person. Like you said, since November, we had a brief week together on Zoom in December, but it was very short and got cut off by, you know, winter break. So, um, and this is also my second school, my traveling school. So these are the kids who were new to me this year. Um, So I just want to say thank you, Tanya, for talking about that whole idea of doing the Google form on your first day back together. I did that with third through fifth grade and that was so great. It was just, it really set the tone, I think, for them and for me. And like you said, the responses were great. There's been a couple that I, when I read, I went, oh, okay. That kind of helped me understand where that kid was coming from this week. And nothing too out there or dramatic going on with most of my kids. But, you know, some things just to know about that were good. But I just have to share one of my favorite answers. I just thought it was so darn sweet. Um, it was a fifth grade girl. And um, my last question, like you recommend, was just, is there anything else you'd like me to know? And I told them this is your time where you can tell me if there's something going on in your life or something that you feel is that I should know is your teacher that will help me teach you better and she just wrote i learn best when i don't have to interact with humans dot 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 <laughs> <laughs> and i was like you know i totally get that and i think that that's awesome but unfortunately music is kind of a communal thing so there's yes. going to be a balance of that i mean i never i didn't address it with her or anything but it was just something that i read that just made me chuckle but I, that's all that's valuable information isn't totally it? and i mean mm-hmm. i noticed that this this young lady in class is very introverted and she's sometimes I, I mean, I, I went to her the other day and I was like, are you okay? You know, cause she looked, she looked upset, you know, and she said, I'm fine. I said, are you just feeling tired today? She goes, yeah. And then I just left her alone. Cause I knew she wants to be left the heck alone. So that's, See, and that, and that's why I think it's a really good thing is because you don't have to wonder about like, did something happen in this room? Did right. something happen? earlier like if if you give them the opportunity a lot of times they'll tell you and you don't necessarily have to have a conversation about it but you as the teacher know and the reason that I did that post on Instagram on Monday it was also on Facebook and I don't know if it came off as vague booking or whatever but it's because I had a student who um, had a relative a really close relative who died over the weekend in a traumatic way yeah. And I would have never known that. And I also mentioned it to the classroom teacher who had no idea. Right. And so for that, I'm like, I am so glad that I know that. Um, so I know where this kid is coming from. And, right. Right. And that's been good. And all week long, I was able to like check in with her and she was wearing a button of her aunt. Um, oh, so yesterday, sweet. which made me kind of, my heart goes out to her and I'm just glad that I, you know, I, we, we know how to teach our children. It's really important to yeah. know how, where they're coming from. Totally. Yeah. And now it's time for our main theme, which is new favorites in fourth grade. What, uh, what new things and this time of year, what's happening in your fourth grade class? So, Carrie, how's fourth going? What's well, going on? Well, um, a few things I'll say first about fourth grade. So, my homeschool, I, I have mixed age classes this year just because our class sizes are so that that's just where we're at. So, um, my fourth and fifth graders are together, and really, I'm teaching all of them fifth grade curriculum, which I talked about in our last episode new favorites on fifth grade. So my only fourth graders who I see as fourth graders are in my traveling school. So this is the the new kiddos to me, um, which is also different because, you know, I just did a lot of review with them at the beginning of the year or two to kind of see where they're at. And this is really focusing more on, you know, those traditional Kodai-inspired, um, you know, literacy skills specifically that I'm really referring to when I'm saying curriculum as far as that goes. So I'll just say that um, with those kiddos so far this year, um, 
and I mentioned this in the last podcast too, with all of my grades, I, I planned my yearly plans so that all of my rhythmic stuff would happen in the first chunk of the year. And then I would transition into melodic stuff in the second chunk of the year, hoping that, you know, COVID restrictions might be getting better, which they aren't necessarily, but (laughs) that was my hope in the beginning when I planned it out. So I'm just going with it. So, so far this year, my fourth graders, we um, did a lot of rhythmic review at the beginning of the year, and I made sure they were really strong on their 16th notes, on their tikka-tikkas. Um, I presented tita ti. Some people refer to it as cinco pa, but I choose just to call it tita ti with my fourth graders. We talk about it as it's a, a chunk of rhythm that we see often, and I will introduce the word syncopation to them kind of as a as a larger concept later on. But as far as reading goes, we call it tita ti. And then um, just during this rotation, I will be, or I just did, um, presented to them the combination of tom T, so the dotted quarter note and then the eighth note. And then um, in our next few rotations that I'll see for the rest of the year, we're going to do melodic work. Honestly, I don't know where they are melodically right now because we just haven't been focusing on it as far as their reading skills. They sing very well and they sing tunefully, so that's a good thing. But I don't know where they are as far as how familiar they are with solfa or absolute pitches or any combination of the two. So (laughs) that's going to be a fun little thing to see where they're at with that. And then depending on where they're at, um, I figure I'd just start with pentatonic things and see how that goes, including low la and low so because that's typically where I would be with my fourth grade Um, and then my next step would be um, high do if they're ready for it and then fa if they're ready for it but I'm not going to push it if they're not ready for it that's fine I just want to give them obviously some melodic and staff reading experiences and normally for me fourth grade is when I also introduce uh recorder and I use recorder for melodic work but we'll probably be doing a lot of stuff with barred instruments instead as far as our melodic practice goes and application to instruments so um oh and then the other thing is I did um get a donors choose project um funded for a class of ukuleles Um, which I plan on bringing in for both fourth and fifth. And then I'm going to relate it to chords. I don't know how theoretical I'll get with it, to be honest. It might really just be more just for the fun of it and accompanying both songs that we know, plus just some fun YouTube play-along videos and just being like, hey, this is a C chord, this is a G chord, this is an F chord. Um, or, I, again, depending on where they're at melodically, when I start to do those types of assessments with them, you know, I might bring it in on a ther- theoretical level with what's a one chord, four chord, and a five chord. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, it's just, we're going to see how it goes. Right. So, um As far as specifics and some new favorites, I wanted to mention a couple of songs that my fourth graders have been enjoying and I think have been doing the trick as far as getting them doing some really great things rhythmically. So I want to mention for Tikka Tikka, um, I have not taught really before the song Bitty Bitty Hold Fast before this year. I don't think so. I might have started using it last year, but really this year I've been using it a lot um, to work on ticka ticka rhythms. So mm-hmm. this is a song from Jamaica. Do you want to sing it with me, Tanya? Well, actually, oh, we'll probably that. we'll probably get a lag, so maybe we shouldn't have us singing together because oh, we are zooming. But I'll link to it in the show notes. But it goes, uh, Bitty bitty hold fast, lost my gold ring, carry me to London, come back again. Bitty bitty hold fast, lost my gold ring, carry me to London, come back again. Um, And the version I'm going to link to is in the Holy Name Song Collection, um, just because it's there, and then I don't have to write it out. Ha ha. And they they have a slight variant in the text, I think. Um, There's this one goes to London instead of carry me to London. But the variant I know is carry me to London, but it's essentially the same I just love this song, and I just have to say yay, bitty bitty, hold fast, because uh, I've been thinking about uh, my... When my son was in fourth grade, we did Bitty Bitty Hold Fast, and we actually incorporated it into a performance where we added some uh, xylophones and bass bars and uh, hand percussion, and it it really went well. It's such a short little song that you think, how can we, we really, it was just lovely. We built it yeah. up into this instrument and singing thing, and oh, I just loved it. 
Okay. The kids really like it too. And I think it's just a nice, fun, singable melody. And mm-hmm. so the game, and we are playing the game, but I'll talk about how I've modified it a little bit for COVID times, is you get a ring and I have this big, obnoxious, fake, you know, plastic dress up ring. And the students are standing in a circle. Um, in my world, it's a very large, spread out, spaced out circle, holding open their hands. And one student gets to walk around and they like secretly drop the ring into someone's hand while they're pantomiming, you know, holding their hands above other kids' hands. So what I'm doing this year is I'm just telling the kids as we're being in this very large circle, and of course our students are masked, is I'm going to sing the song out loud and I just want you to hum it. So that way they're not singing at each other and in each other's faces. And then I do get out a Clorox wipe and I wipe down the ring in between each turn. Um, Other than that, because they wash their hands in and out and because they are masked and we're spread out in the circle, I feel like... We're, we're being safe. And I suppose this would be a good game to play outside too if one was really worried about it. So anyways, they love the game. It's just one of those little like, guess who has the ring at the end kind of games, but they absolutely love it. It's just a chance for us to stand up and, and get in a big circle and actually do something fun and relaxing. I've been and then, trying to do more circles lately too and, yeah. and right on with the hand sanitizer uh, because I have been putting hand sanitizer in the middle of the circle. (laughs) I saw that in one of your Instagram videos. That's so cute. And yeah, I mean, I'm the same way, like with the smart board, like if the kids come up and they're writing something on the smart board, I have a pump of sanitizer and they know as soon as they're done with the smart board, just to give themselves the pump. And then they rub it in as they go back to their seats. You know, it's just part of our routine. So, so as far as reading goes for that song, um, it does have the, the diminution version of syncopa in there. So in the second phrase, so we just focus on the first phrase and the third phrase that has the ticka ticka pattern in it. And so that was one of our, our practice songs for reading ticka ticka. Um, and just a really fun song to sing. And mm-hmm. then um, as far as songs that um, are working on some of our other rhythm patterns, one of my favorites for Tikta T, and I this is not technically a new favorite, so I'm kind of cheating here, but Hill and Gully Rider is just such a fun song. It's another song from Hill Jamaica. And so, yeah. yeah. And um I'll it's a very long song and it's about a zombie and it's call and response song. So the kids are always doing the Hill and Gully Tita Tita. Um and so there's so many opportunities. You can add instruments to it, you can have them act it out and tell the stories. Um I, I will be honest, I actually haven't used this song a lot in the past. So this song for me was a new song that I've been using a lot more. Um, you know, it's just about finding songs that don't necessarily hinge upon a game because I really have discovered this year that so many of my songs without the game don't make a lot of sense. Like, for example, Tidio comes to mind. Like, what the heck is Tidio without the game? It's just kind of a weird song. So trying to find more songs like Hill and Gully Rider, they're more about the story of the song. And yes, you can add movement to it and you can add instruments to it and make it, you know, an active music making experience other than singing but it's not dependent on a game is what I really like about it. So do you add anything to it? Yeah so for in our world we added playing the hill and gully on instruments and it depended on what instruments I had. At my homeschool I have a lot of instruments available to me at my travel school not so many so I just had them play drums for the hill and gully as a response one day and then on another day I had four different patterns on the board um, different patterns that all have the tita team rhythm in them but not the same as tita tita which is the hill and gully pattern so new patterns and so we did kind of a scaffolded improvisation thing where they had to choose one of those patterns to play so I would sing hill and gully rider and then they would play whatever tita tita and then of course then the next scaffold later would be then giving them a couple of rhythmic choices, but also giving them the opportunity to improvise their own four beat pattern, anything they want. So it was just like a little call and response improvisation activity we did with that on the drums. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I know you've had some success adding some barred instruments to it too. And I have done some work with bar- bard instruments. You could certainly have them play the hill and gully response. Yeah, I like love on doing D. Open- yeah, I do an open fifth. Yeah, and exactly. Hello and gully. And mm-hmm. then I have everyone else. They do a step together, step together, step together, which is totally COVID friendly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then sometimes we throw in like, if you hear the bell tree, then uh, turn a quarter turn. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, which I simple stuff, but workshop, yeah. but yeah, there's lots totally. of um, and then one other specific song I want to mention um, that's one of my favorites and I mean, a surprising favorite of the kids. It's like a song that I would think that they would find dull and boring. We really like the song Chairs to Mend. <laughs> and it was funny because when I was doing a quick Google search on Chairs to Mend today, I actually found your blog post, Tanya, about Chairs oh. to Mend. So I linked to that because you said the exact same thing, that you were surprised at uh, what an easy sell this was. It, it, the kids... I mean, it's a street cry, you know, similar to Hot Cross Buns, where people are calling out different things they're selling or services that they're selling or whatever. And kids are really fascinated by that. So I think yeah. just telling them that story and then having them act out the part of, of selling the things by just standing up on their spots and singing their, their one song over and over. So it becomes a round and you can either be sung as a round where you sing through all three parts or you can layer each melodic ostinato and then create a round out of that basically by having the students but it, it creates a lovely harmony which is really really nice and what I really wanted to mention about Chairs to Mend and even Hill and Gully Rider too is that these songs to me are you know what we call double duty songs and the importance of you know when we see our kids in such a limited fashion this year being really intentionable about intentionable and <laughs> I can't you don't say need that the word ball. intentional <laughs> intentional with our words and intentional with our song literature because you know we're just not getting to get through as much song literature as we have so song like chairs to mend which is great for the tom t rhythm it's what i've introduced it with originally will come back later in the year if and when we're working on fa so um hill and gully writer i can work on that for the so 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 la so me you know so it's just really important to really think about these things especially this year i think about it all the time but really especially this year thinking about how can I use this song in multiple ways because I just know I'm not going to get through as much with my kids as I have in the past. Yes. And for Helen Gully, especially, um, I, I love to include that when we're talking about call and response, right? Yeah. And yeah. Form. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And Helen Gully Rider also has the low lot and the low so in it too. So anyways, just, you know, this is where the Kodai geeks of the world, um, we, we celebrate because through analysis, you know, when you analyze all these songs, this is what you start to see. You start to see, oh, I can use this song for this rhythmic stuff, but I can use it melodically. I can use it for harmony. I can use it for form. And there's so many things. And you start to see where those, where those parallels and those overlaps go. Amen. So, yeah. Huzzah for song analysis. <laughs> Exactly. This is why. And yeah, please remember this in the summer when you're slaving over your song analysis, if you take levels. Yeah, that that's the reason like, it's it not clear off doing it. But later on, you're like, wait a minute, I can use this song for this also. Yeah. Totally, totally. So that's my fourth grade world. We are living still in rhythmic world, but very soon we'll be transitioning to melodic world, you know, still limiting the amount of singing time, you know, so it's not, you know, too much time as far as having to worry about clearing the air afterwards and all that. So I foresee a lot of bard instruments and dare I say boomwhackers in our future because I know people have mixed feelings on boomwhackers. I myself have mixed feelings on boomwhackers, but I think, you know, depending on how married you are to the key of C, that's the biggest issue, right? No, but it's I good that you mention boomwhackers because I have had a complete change of heart. Oh, have you? It's COVID times. Yeah, yeah. I know. See, I'm strong. I've got strong opinions, but when when they when they shift i'll let you know it's fine uh, it's, um yeah. they are so covid friendly they are know? they are and, and i mean there's fine. so many great things about seeing the size relationship of the pitches right. to each i other am and... also not a fan i don't want to push the kia c i am not a fan of fixed dough however just by the accidentals i just right. i have a bunch of accidentals so we shift all over the place and i just don't call attention to like oh we've got to stay with the rainbow and red is your first one we don't you know we don't emphasize that unless we're in the qsa then we can but no they are so covid friendly and yeah. i'm a big fan of boomwhackers with the octavator caps on the bottom yeah yeah for totally. every single one of them yeah um because i think it they sound the best when they play them right on top of the cap yeah 
right? And also that takes away the whole like, let's do a little boom whacker battle, which might be fun for a little bit, but not as musically pleasing in the sound. Um, yeah, I, I use boom whackers a lot. I'm a big fan. I was wrong. It's good. It, boom whackers are good. Yeah. Well, and I'm even coming to the terms with the whole like C too low to to sing in thing. I mean, for a variety of reasons. But the, my point with boom whackers is if it's replacing singing and we're not singing and we're doing boom whackers instead, I don't even so much care that it's in the key of C because we're not singing. We're doing boom whackers. Exactly. Like if and it's an intentional choice. Can I bring up something that relates to this just as a call out to the Listeners at large, if there's anyone listening who knows the answer to this, um, I had once upon a time, and I tried to quote research, meaning I looked it up online a few times in different <laughs> places. Um, I had heard once that, uh, antidotally, I think, that you are able to hear best and discern specifics about, say, chord structures and those kinds of things um, in ranges where you can sing, where you sing. I mean, it makes sense to it's, me. Right. Antidotally, yes. it yes. makes sense. Like, so if you're going to be doing some kind of ear training um, and someone's going to sit down at the piano, it you're going to hear it best and be more successful in that if it's in your singing range. So yeah. if somebody is playing it with a bunch, a, a choir of, of double basses, it might be more challenging for me as a soprano to discern exactly like specifics like chord structure and that kind of thing right yeah i don't i so don't know the research my call out is sense. this if you've done research on that anybody let us or know. if you know anything about that um if there's some kind of article that i could uh or thesis that someone's done i would love to read about that 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 yeah. sounds fascinating to me that is interesting so i will just say one more thing before i pass it on to you tanya that you know i know i'm focusing a lot about you know code i inspired literacy concepts you know but there has been lots of other things going on in my fourth grade classes and there are things that i've mentioned in other episodes as well focused on sel focused on emotions in music more music listening um i mean this is always something i'm still working on but i i will say that I, my kodai sequence is still there and i'm still working on those things but there are there is more of a balance with other musical activities as well that we've talked about in other podcasts so i didn't want to go into it as detail in detail a lot here, but I just wanted to mention that it's not no. all about the Kodai stuff, but it's still there. I mean, I haven't, I haven't abandoned it completely either. So, well, I don't think there's any need to make the disclaimer because now no, I'm, I, go, but, uh, <laughs> but I just think it's important to say, because we have said it this year on this podcast that, you know, this idea of, you know, the, the literacy not being as prominent as, and as important. And I wanted to make sure that I acknowledge that, that I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth. I mean, I, I have talked out of both sides of my mouth in the past, but not necessarily on this. So <laughs> just, well, I, I mean, there's, yes, more reckoning in the Kodai world needs to happen yeah. for sure. Yeah. We need to, and, and you mentioned music literacy because being um, Kodai inspired really does have a lot to do with music literacy not the only thing right but i do I, i'm concerned about our kodai uh vision and how we're moving into or we're already there in the 21st century but i think we need as kodai people and as a kodai community uh we really need to drill down on exactly what what that means right now right because right. i i really don't think kodai himself zoltan kodai i don't think kodai's vision was about seeing cute pairs of snails and big snails and i mean <laughs> i think that we have a convoluted vision of what kodai is in the united states and um i think Facebook and Instagram in particular, they do a lot to give a shallow view yeah. of, of music education in general. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, all that to say that we are just two people who consider ourselves Kodai inspired teachers, but- But what the heck does that mean, really? But what does that mean anymore? <laughs> and I'm reckoning with that. This is why I go back and I read the selected writings all the time, because I, I have to get back to the root of like what 
did he actually say? Because you're right. It's not about, yeah, cute. I mean, Kodai is not just rhythm syllables and hand signs, which is what so many, until you really take the training, you know, unfortunately, that's the image that I think is put forward sometimes mm -hmm. of, of this, whatever you want to call it, methodology, philosophy, you know, right. but the point being that it's, it's more about joyful music making than anything else. And right. literacy happens to be the organizational structure, but that doesn't mean everything is end all be all. Literacy, right. So, and I think we really need to define what is music literacy. Well, and literacy. there's that. Yes, 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 yes. Right. And and I I don't worry because you know I can talk forever about this one. But, <laughs> um, I'm just going to mention it really, really. I'm going to be. I'll be brief. Okay, I promise. That Kodai teaching is not about the tools. It's about the philosophy behind it. Yeah. And I consider myself a Kodai inspired teacher still and that doesn't mean that i won't do things that i didn't learn that i've learned at an orf workshop or a delcro's workshop and i do do some pd in other quote methodologies or philosophies but i am increasingly concerned about this idea and it's not a popular idea i mean this is a popular okay the idea that one can be a kodai and orf and delcro's teacher and gordon and blend music pedagogy and all of it and, yeah. yes and blend them and that um you as a music teacher are all of these things is false and that's not a popular because it doesn't sound nice it sounds so nice and lovely and inclusive to say you know what i take from orf and i take from kodai and i take from delcros it sounds good it sounds nice it sounds like i'm very open-minded and i use whatever i need to use but then you're talking about tools and you're not talking about philosophies and you're not talking about process right because although i am not orf trained i do know that orf people teachers who are dedicated to ORF shore work um, and the idea of ORF is the process, right? So yeah. if you're following that process or if you are Kodai inspired, um, each one of these philosophies has as its tenets different things. Yes. So I, and I've said this before and I've said it to my students, so I'll say it here. I think it's kind of like saying I'm a Jewish I'm, I'm a Jew and I'm a Christian and I'm a Muslim just depends on the day of the week. I, I don't, I just think that all roads lead to Mecca as our Del Crow's friend Fritz says. Yes. Um, but you got to stay on a path. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's my little plug for, um, go get some training, go get, get some, some training. training, get some and training. We've said it before. Our, our number one thing is like, whatever training you decide to get, just focus on one for a while and mm -hmm. then explore. Yeah. Like you said, using the tools of the other methodologies yes. and getting training in other methodologies. There's nothing right. wrong with that. Yeah. But certainly knowing that there's one that's going to be where you lie more than the others. And don't mm -hmm. be afraid to say, I am a Kodai inspired teacher. I am an orphan inspired teacher, but I use tools of these other philosophies yes. as well. That's okay. Of course. <laughs> and and it, yeah, I definitely use things that are considered orf tools, but yeah. I use them in a Kodai context. Exactly. Ding, and ding, if, ding. Yeah. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. And if That's... you want to cut this down, because I know, I know I go on and on and on. No, because... I think it's an important conversation. And like you said, it's, it doesn't sound as, as welcoming and friendly, but it's not about that. It's about knowing your philosophy and knowing what works best in your classroom and what process works best in your classroom. Right. And, and I, I value thoroughly knowing how the students in my room, the learners in my room, I value knowing what is going to be best for them. Yeah. Right. And I, I value us getting deep with it. Right. right. Exactly. And not superficial. And that's my goal. And I want them yeah. to love music and I want them to feel good about being music make makers and, I could, I'm not going to say anymore, but I would love to talk if anybody wants to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, just let me know. Lots of these conversations with our friends. This is true. Okay, so Tanya, tell us about yes. what you're doing in your fourth grade world. All right, well, I'm going to make the same disclaimer in reverse. You're not <laughs> going to hear, you're not going to hear a lot of Kodai specific process and not a lot of um, specific music literacy 
rhythmic concepts and melodic concepts because this time of year in fourth grade, I am usually using recorders. Yeah. And we're using recorders with other with known songs and we're drawing out those melodic concepts within those songs and solidifying. It's a beautiful thing. Okay, but recorders aren't happening. Right. Um, and ukuleles are because Yay. this is the year that I happen to be teaching ukuleles because I managed to, to get some at the end of last year. And I received my ukuleles, by the way, through Little Kids Rock because I went through a, to a training. And then when you do, well, I can't, I don't know what's happening now since COVID times. It's interesting because I think I did one of the very last trainings. Yeah, I think you did. did uh, before the world was shut down. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, after doing the training, I was gifted um, a number of ukuleles. And that's what I'm using in my classroom right now. Uh, and so we are mostly playing ukuleles. We, I was hoping to not, I was hoping to move on by now, but because we went uh, down between Thanksgiving and Christmas and to a purely Zoom environment, online teaching environment, um, that stopped our ukulele playing. So now we are, uh, quote, finishing up that. Um, meanwhile, I'm trying to bring more music appreciation things in my classroom, and I have been all year, and um, it, it's really hard to do all the things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to fit them. And oh, by the way, as far as that, like, Orf, Kodai, Delcros, Gordon, that argument as well, that's the, my other concern is that I, I worry that people will, music teachers, especially starting out music teachers, younger music teachers might feel um, discouraged because they're getting the message that they should do all the things. Right. That, that's my other concern yeah. is that it is nearly impossible to, to put equal weight on all of these wonderful things that should be happening in a music classroom. And so I'm concerned that people are going to see some kind of unrealistic idea of what music teaching should be and that I should be certified in Kodai and Orf and Delgros and I should be pulling in everything. And that's, that'll drive you crazy people. Right. Uh, I'm, you know, that'll drive you crazy. Um, all that said, I am deliberately doing more listening and analyzing and us not uh, beyond body percussion or simple play alongs, us not creating the music, but listening to more music. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, February, we are, um, definitely highlighting black musicians. So I've been doing a musician of the day this month. We've been doing Miles Davis, Harry Belafonte, Billie Holiday, Beyonce, Charlie Parker, Aretha Franklin, and we'll talk more about this one, Michael Jackson. Um, initially <laughs> I didn't want to do Michael Jackson. Let's come back to him in a bit. Um, okay, so you were talking about double duty songs, and I'm just going to talk about like double duty concepts that I've been uh, using as transitions in my music lessons. So, for nice. example, um, we we've also been I, I was doing a lot of tempo things when we were online learning, and. I'm trying to kind of like solidify our tempo learnings and tying it into our musician of the month. Now, I always make a little, um, I, I, we have a little conversation in the music room about how, okay, so we're talking about Adagio, we're talking about Presto, and kids, guess what? When Beyonce goes to record and she goes in the studio, I would put money on it that no one's saying, hey, everybody, we're taking this Presto, right? <laughs> I don't think that happens. I could yeah. be wrong. Yeah. Um, so, so I do make sure I say, this is just one way to look at it. This just yeah. happens to be markings. And we talk about the invention of the metronome. And we talk about how really beats per minute, if you want to be exact about it. And look, here's an online metronome. And then I show them like, ooh, a real metronome. I mean, they're all real, whatever. Um, but you mean like a an actual old, like, go back and forthy thing? A go back and forthy thing. You yes. have one? You know what? I do. I have one. <laughs> I'm impressed. I don't have okay, one. Okay, but it's broken. Oh. Um, so it'll go for like five clicks, and then it'll just mysteriously stop. 
Okay. Yeah. So I kind of showed that why up. we don't use these anymore, kids, because they're like, not practical. Yeah. <laughs> and now look at the big one on my iPad, kids. And it's got that tap feature. I just yeah. love the tap feature because you cannot do that on an old-fashioned metronome. Nope. Right. So here's back to my double-duty stuff. For example, when Aretha Franklin was our musician of the day, uh, when they come in, we do a body percussion movement thing to respect the studio version, the, like the version everyone knows. And then we, we talk a little bit about the bio, about Aretha Franklin's life. And, um, and then I show them, or sometimes we just listen, I show them a, a live YouTube video of Aretha performing Respect Live, which is quite a bit faster. Like, oh. so very noticeably so. And cool. so this bridges are like, and now we're talking about tempo. Yeah. kind of transition thing. And so I'll, we'll put a link to that video. Um, I have noticed with showing more videos in the room, because I've I've been showing quite a, quite a bit more this year, that sometimes I like for them to hear and not see yeah. what's going on, because then when I ask them, what do you notice or what do you, what do you hear, they, they zone in on the visual and they kind of close down on thinking about what they're hearing. Yep. So it depends on what I'm after. We do end up seeing this this video because it's just awesome to see everyone playing their instrument, the backup singers, all of this stuff. Um, so that's how I'm trying to double duty stuff yeah. these days is, is just providing that transition from we were talking about the musician of the day and now that leads us into tempo and now it kind of clunkily leads us into um, playing ukuleles. Um, but I've, uh, we're finishing up with ukuleles and I haven't found an Aretha Franklin song on ukulele to play, but it, um, you know, there you go. Uh, with the ukuleles, there are a couple of songs that I've been, we've been doing that are just two chords or three chords. I have to give a shout out to Music and Motivate because she does have some excellent videos that are beginner, beginner ukulele mostly f and c so we've been doing um thunder which is a imagine dragon song and we've done, been doing best day of my life and we've been doing three little birds and you know what we don't have bob marley as one of our musicians of the day there were some hard choices to be made i couldn't do everybody that i wanted to do um i keep throwing in little things at the very end of class when i have time um i had like a afternoon where i was inspired to do some nile rogers because he's one of my favorite guitarists and he's actually responsible for a lot of these hits that we know um that anyway so we do a little bit of extra here and there uh so we've been doing in addition to the tempo and the ukulele and um that i'm wrapping up ukulele and then going into some instrument families and that was not part of my big old yearly plan right now. I was going to do it a little bit later. However, in our district, uh, we're kind of feeling the pinch as far as kids signing up for instrumental and choral ensembles across the board. Yeah. That we're seeing less of that because of the COVID situation and it's breaking my heart. And so I am I'm pushing instruments right now because I know that they'll be signing up um, sooner for their ensembles for uh, next year. So yeah. fourth grade in fifth grade, that's their first opportunity to take an instrument. And so that's why I'm doing it a little bit earlier than I would have done it is because I want them to really been have been having these experiences of like, oh, I know about the clarinet. We talked about this. And so another double duty thing is that when we do our Miles Davis musician of the day, we show him playing trumpet. We talk about like his mute and then we go into, and now we're talking about brass instruments. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyway. Are you going to talk about Michael Jackson? Cause now I'm dying to know. What now I'm going to talk about Michael. I'm sorry. I had to get all that other out of the way. Okay. So. <laughs> You were talking about talking about you were talking about talking about both out both sides of your mouth. Yeah. I feel like that right now. I think we all do in some form, but yes, go ahead. 
And when we say that, here's what I'm saying. It's like, oh, I say that I have strong ideas and strong opinions about this thing, but then I'll turn around and I'll say the opposite and say, I have just as strong opinions about the opposite view, which yeah. is, you know, you got to nail it down, Tanya. Um, so I wasn't going to do Michael Jackson. I was not going to include Michael Jackson as a, a musician of the day. Um, and he was not ever convicted of pedophilia. It never, it was not, it was not a litigated thing. Um, but there's reasonable suspicion that Michael Jackson was, um, could have been a pedophile, right? right? I'm not, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a detective on the case. I don't know. But what I do know is that the kids kept asking for it. Really? Yeah. And yeah. I'm torn because part of me wanted to say, because this is how I started out, is I, I thought, okay, if kids ask, I'll say, oh, well, you know, you already know Michael Jackson. Go home and listen to him on your own. Yeah. That was going to be my line. However, I had this one student who can sometimes be happy and engaged and sometimes can be I don't know why but kind of moody I don't think it has to do with music it's the music is the first class of this student's day I don't know what's going on elsewhere but sometimes you know the student is turned off in the room right this student kept asking me about when's Michael Jackson day when's Michael uh, Jackson day and yeah. so so then we had a musician of the day, Michael Jackson. And I tell you what, I am conflicted. Um, this, this goes to this whole conversation of, can you separate the art from the artist, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I, I used to love Woody Allen movies and I just can't do that anymore. I, I don't know. I, this is a hard thing. Um, I was having I a thought, could you, and I mean, this is, going to that exact question you just said but could you study the jackson five and that way it's michael jackson when he was a kid and you're not talking about him so much but the group i, I don't you know. know we we did do that so yeah. what i ended up doing as far as and the visuals are so important because part of michael jackson you can't deny is the dancing right yeah, yeah. and the performance the whole it's the whole thing yeah um, so I do show them a um, American Bandstand performance of ABC with mm -hmm. the Jackson 5. And then okay. we show Michael Jackson. Uh, I, I show him singing Billie Jean live and moonwalking. And, and, the, and they're all happy as a clam. And I just don't mention, of course, anything else. But honestly, I am conflicted yeah. about it. I mean here's the talking out of my mouth part because like i'm conflicted but you did it anyway didn't you tanya yes i did because not just all kids kept asking many kids kept asking but i had one little guy in particular who it made his week yeah that's so, so hard anything else about fourth grade you want to mention tanya? um yes i love the book charlie parker played bebop and oh. But the way to go about it is there's a YouTube video of the book Charlie Parker played Bebop in which they sing it to the tune of Night and Tanisha. Charlie nice. Parker played Bebop. Charlie Parker played saxophone. The music, it sounded like Bebop. Never leave your cat alone. So anyway, uh, I, I, I love Charlie Parker played Bebop as something to show the students. There's so many awesome resources yeah. out there. Um musician of the day is a little hectic i wish i could spend more time but it's it's happening and um special shout out to david david rao because i really do like his biographies his um best of the best february bulletin board black history month he's got some really just nicely done brief profiles that fit on one page and uh, makes for a, a, a very, I'm not a bulletin board person, meaning that I'm not very creative visually. So I love it when someone else does a great job <laughs> and David Rouse does a great job. And we'll job. link to that in the show notes for sure. Right. 
it's time for our segment, which we call Know Better, Do Better, where we reevaluate something we've been doing in our classroom and something that we are doing now differently. So, Tanya, what are you going to share? Okay. Um, I'm going to put this in a context of something that I keep seeing pop up on Facebook and Instagram um, from some music teachers who are doing uh, a practice called Bop or Flop. Are you familiar with this? No. Oh, okay. Where have I? Well, it was it was originally a, a TikTok thing. I mean, I think I understand the concept of it. Yes. Right. So the the concept is like you play a, a track, you play music, a song. Yeah. And hey, kids, is it a bop or is it a flop? Yeah. Um. All right. So I've not done anything. I've not done this in the context of calling it bop or flop. But I have done something similar where, hey, kids, here's a song you've never heard ever before. And now we're listening to it. Tell me, tell me what you think of it. So I am trying to discourage myself and now others from this practice. And here's why. People are going to gravitate to what they are familiar with. So if you play a song that kids already know, then of course they're going to say, this is a bop. And if you play something that's very alien, foreign, or just very different to their ears, they're going to call it a flop. Yeah. And this is not, that's not deep science or anything. Like, that's how it goes. As the um, not famous saying, but one that's that I'm a fond of saying uh, goes, uh, familiarity builds content, breeds content. Let me say that again correctly. Familiarity breeds content. The original phrase, the original quote is familiarity breeds contempt. Right. But I've heard it changed over to this, which yes. is absolutely true. Yeah. The more you hear something, the more you listen, the more familiar you are, the more content you are. So there's what I want to not do. Here's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I like this idea of um, maybe focusing on two different pieces of music, maybe even from the same genre or artist, and then doing a kind of um, bracket March Madness style yeah. activity. And I say this not having done it yet, um, but March is coming up. Not that it has to be tied to March, but there's that whole March Madness bracket. Look at you being thing. all sporty, Tanya. Well, you know, I don't really know what I'm talking about because I've never participated. <laughs> I just kind of, I know the concept, right, but I've right. not really myself have I played this, this thing. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think maybe we compare two pieces of music after hearing them multiple times and drawing out what, you know, setting our opinions aside focusing on the music, listening to the music repeatedly, and then saying, okay, guess what? I like this track from Fatala, the band, more than this track from Fatala, the band, right? right. So instead of this whole bopper flop, like, hey, here's 10 seconds of a song. Have you heard it before? If you haven't, it's probably a flop. If you have, right. it's probably a bop. I get it. And it's, it's cute and it's fun and it rhymes and TikTok definitely is amazing for what it does. I don't want to encourage superficial listening among my students. Yeah. So that is my no better, do better. Um, because I, I really think that how we approach listening to music and being accepting of music also should be infecting and bleeding into how we approach other ideas beyond music. And now it's time for a work smarter, not harder teacher tip from Carrie. And we need as many of these as we can get. So I hope it's good. Oh, boy. This could go under the file of you might already do this, but Absolutely. I just thought it was worth remembering. Because sometimes I forget this. And when I remember it, I go, oh, yeah. So if you're using a YouTube video, I feel like I've been talking about YouTube videos a lot lately. I just want to remind everybody that when you share a YouTube link, you can share it to set 
to start in the video at a certain time in the video. So if you don't want to share the entire video and you want it to start at a minute in for whatever reason, when you go to share the video and you right click on the video, for lack of a better term, instead of selecting copy video URL, you can select copy video URL at current time. And I just, I forget that sometimes. And if I want to show my- Wait, you don't know about this? Do I feel special now? Wait a minute. Okay. Not in Google. Not in Google Slides. No, just any link to any YouTube video ever. If you want to put it in a Google Doc, or if you want to share it on Seesaw, or whatever, you can oh. have it so it starts at a certain time. Is this Ooh. new information? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know I know how to do that in Google. Well, and that was kind of the second half of it. Yeah. In Google Slides, you can set when you want it to start, and you can set when you want it to end, and you can you can manipulate it that way a little bit more. But just any YouTube video, if you go to share it, like I said, when I if if I'm I'm looking at it right now, and if I click on the button that says share. It'll say start at, at the bottom of the little window that pops up, there's a little click box and it says start at 42 seconds or whatever current time. So like you pause the video at the time you want to share it at and then you can click share and you can get it that way. Or if you are using your mouse and you right click on the video, it'll say copy video URL at current time. So it's just a really great reminder that if you want to show your kids just a snippet of a video instead of a whole video, you can do that. And That's awesome. Out of Google Slides. Yeah. Woohoo! So now it's time for our coda where we share something we've been enjoying, either a personal or professional, or one of each. <laughs> something we like. So, Tanya. Because you know I'm going to give one of each. I know. You have so many things to say. (laughs) No, it's a good thing. You give really good codas. I love them. Why, thank you. Um, Hey, I'm not going to talk about a book, so there's that. Okay. Uh, But I am going to talk about something for in the classroom and something for not in the classroom, for sure. So let's see. I'll talk about in the classroom first. There is a very short TED Talk by Camille A. Brown called The History of African-American Social Dance. And I heard it from someone, I think on Instagram, and I can't remember who it is that that mentioned this, but it is fantastic to show students. I've been showing it third grade on up. And what's really awesome is that the kids so want to dance as they're watching this. And I'm like, we're going to watch it first. Everybody sit down. Just we're watching it because they get... I learned that I have some third graders who can do the worm. Let's just say that. Okay. So it is excellent. It is so worth seeing any time of the year. The history of American, African-American social dance. It's a Ted talk, Camille A. Brown. We will link it. So there's that. Now for you as a um, music enthusiast, anybody, um, I am a huge fan of Song Exploder, the podcast, and also Song Exploder, the now Netflix, um, it's like podcast, but now it's visual, so it's a show. Um, they don't do all of the Song Exploder podcasts with it. They don't do it all in Netflix. They only do a few. Um, but this one is episode 195 from the band Run the Jewels, and the song is called Just, and this is a song that um, I heard a whole lot on rotation this past summer. So it was great to hear the backstory. And I don't know if, if you're familiar with Run the Jewels, Carrie, because I'm just becoming familiar with Run the Jewels because I'm always late to the party. But um, just such an awesome song, this particular song. And it was so great to hear them talk about it. So I didn't even say Song Exploder takes one song, talks to the the people who produced it, the people who wrote it, the people who performed on it, and they break it down and they talk about, okay, well, here's what we were thinking about, you know, this guitar lick here, and and then we brought in so-and-so, and it's just, it's fascinating because it's like just a peek behind some of these songs that you might be familiar with. So I strongly recommend Song Exploder, the podcast and the show, but especially 195 that I was just listening to. The song is called Just by the band Run the Jewels, and it's just totally awesome. And don't play it for students because 
there's cursing. There you go. Got it. Awesome. Yeah. And you, Carrie. What All wonderful right. thing. Um, I just want to shout out my new obsession just because, I mean, I, I knew who he was, but I've just been really listening a lot to John Batiste. And um, if you're not familiar with his work, one of the most popular recent things he did was the music for the movie Soul, the jazz arrangements and the singing for Soul. And um, really amazing albums that I've been listening to and his YouTube channel. Um, there are these fun little mashup videos. They're like one minute long where he'll take two songs and mash them up together. And the camera angle is like just on his hands while he's playing. And they're just short little one minute things that I definitely plan on showing my kids in the classroom just because I don't know Ooh. about you, but my kids are always fascinated. They want to watch the hands, you know, of piano players. So it's just really fun to see his hands and then there's little cartoons that go with it so i'll link oh, to cool. one or two of those in the show notes but i just want to also shout out the song i need you it is such a fun happy just uplifting song the video for it is super fun it's very like swing dancey and jazzy and and just joyful and i've been playing it for my students and we've just been dancing to it and the kids love it and i love it and um it's just a great sweet little song by john batiste and i just and he was just nominated i'm gonna get this wrong was it for a golden globe for for, for, for soul, soul? Yeah. yeah oh probably i honestly i don't know the but, grammys um... are not uh so not the grammys sorry the um the Oscar nominations are not out. out oh yeah, but... then it would probably be Golden Globes. Yeah, so I mean the Golden Globes. Yeah, yeah. The for the score he for did, Soul, which is yeah. amazing. It and is so he, good. He's such a happy, funny guy because um, we watch a lot of Stephen Colbert around here. Yes, and he's just a hoot. Um, yeah, yeah, I, he's I so love his joyful. rapport with uh, Colbert because he's just—he's a breath of fresh air. Yes. He is. Yeah. He's lovely. And his Tiny Desk concert for NPR is lovely. Mm -hmm. He had all female um, musicians playing with him, which was just so great to see. So there are so many things I could link to for John Batiste. He's such but, an excellent musician, and yeah. it's so cool that... But, uh, yeah, I just yeah. have to say, I Need You is like my favorite song right now. It's just... it's And it's 12-bar blues, if you want to get theoretical about it, so you could totally bring it into your classroom as well. Oh, you know what, Carrie? I'm sorry, I have to tell you this right this minute, because I just thought of it. I keep meaning to tell you. Because <laughs> I just... Listeners, listen to Carrie when she tells you about a really good song, because... Um, what? Here's why. Kids, fifth graders, fifth grade girls came to me just this week and they were like, Miss Lejeune, we have to tell you that we had a sleepover and we listened to Hickama for like two hours straight and danced to it. Hickama's the best. And I, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to tell my friend who introduced me to this song. She's like, we love that song. It's so good. Yeah. So. Shout yes, out to I'm, I'm expanding my musical horizons as well this year, and it's just been great to bring in new music to my students. It's so fun. And mine, yeah. Yeah. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. In our next episode, we'll be talking about our new favorites for third grade. Until then, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie wishing you happy musicking. And this is not just for music. This goes for everything. This goes for fashion. Think about the first time you saw skinny jeans. I mean, do you, I don't know. Maybe, maybe some people were like, oh, wow, those are awesome. I got to get me a pair of those. But you see it enough and you go like. <laughs> <laughs> That's an awesome comparison. I can't even. All right, keep going. Did you say awful comparison? No, I said awesome. Awesome. <laughs>